Welcome to Flippin' and Mashin', a podcast about pinball, arcades, video games, and whatever else is cool in our game room. This is your host, Parnell, and... Hello, Ryan. Ryan. What? What did I do? I was going to do this huge intro, like we are walking into a wrestling ring. Yeah. But then I got a little nervous. You got a little nervous or yeah, like really nervous? nervous? <laughs> I okay. peed my pants. <laughs> Well, before you pee your pants, I, uh, I think we should go ahead and actually uh, let everyone know that tonight we have a super awesome special guest. Uh, we have Carrie Hardy from uh, YouTube and Facebook. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, welcome Carrie Hardy. What's going on, guys? Not much, not much. Uh, we're super happy to have you on the show. Um, Parnell, I guess I'll let you go ahead and ask your, your introductory question you always ask our hosts or our guests. Uh, I I missed the last one, the last guess. I don't know if Jerry was drinking anything, but I heard something crack and open when we were on the on the call. So what are you drinking? I am currently drinking a local brewery known as 903. They are actually here in the same city as I am, and I'm a big fan of stouts. This is also a combination of a local uh, bakery. They have combined a blueberry cake donut into their <laughs> imperial stout. Holy moly. So I would love to tell you that this is absolutely delicious, but I'm kind of on the cusp of going, I need to hurry and finish this can so I can move on to something else. <laughs> oh, God. It's not, it's not horrible, but it's not – It's. It, it was kind of like my first time kind of thing where it was like, yeah, I did it, but I don't really want to talk about it. Yeah, like it <laughs> sounds super good. And then all of a sudden you're drinking it going, this was like the worst decision. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is not the worst. I've had much worse beers than this. This is just not thoroughly enjoyable. Ryan, what are you drinking? I am drinking a Lagunitas Hop Hoppy Refresher. Ooh, a fellow uh, hoppy guy, huh? Yeah. I like me some IPAs and some hoppy stuff. But what is it the hop you? water? Yeah, so this is this is carbonated hop water. Uh, it's like zero calories. I do love IPAs, though, Carrie. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I fucking love IPAs. Um, <laughs> and sours. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah a fellow sour guy, too. Mm-hmm. I remember going to bars here, and I'm like, ah, give me a sour beer, and they look at me like I'm crazy, like sour. I'm like, <laughs> Why would you want sour beer? I'm like, it's a certain category of beers. I thought you'd like served like craft beers here. And then they look at you and they're like, yeah, we serve good beer here. And you're like, I will take oh. my business elsewhere. <laughs> like, Fuck you guys. I'm going home. Yeah, I love sours. But I might uh, have to ship a crate down to carry of all the yeah. local crap from up here. Yeah, I just recently went to Soddercade and they had, I was like, I was like, you have any sours? And they're like, yeah. I was like, let's give me the one that'll make my lips pucker. And it was good. <laughs> How much puckering was it? Not too bad. It was oh, good. Really? Okay. It was, it was one of those where I was like, yeah, I could keep drinking this. This is good. Do you ever have sours that give you gut rot? Not yet. Okay. There's a brand called Wild Sour and that just gut rots me instantly, but it puckers if you like puckery stuff that'll pucker you up and gut rot you mm-hmm. interesting the uh the conversation's gone really interesting here talking about puckering up um <laughs> <laughs> all right i 
as long as I don't spill on my laptop. I have one called uh, Hairless Dog Brewing. Citra Lager, zero ABV, no regrets. So, Carrie, usually I drink every day, but <laughs> I'm starting to work out again, and so Monday through Thursday, I'm trying not to drink. We'll see how this works. But right. Ryan got me on the hop water train, so that kind of quenches some of that beer thirst. It's like seriously really good. If you ever have the chance, Carrie, uh, I would recommend trying a. It's like a carbonated hop water, so like, like a sparkling water, like a bubbly or um, Saint Croix or something, or Lacroix, not Saint Croix, <laughs> but instead of like a fruity flavor, it has hops, and it's, but, it's really good. Well, what's the alcohol content on it? Zero. What the fuck's the point of drinking it then? <laughs> it's it's a nice refreshing drink. Uh, no, no, know. no, no, no. The point of me when I drink my beer is I go, what is that alcohol volume percentage? This can is eight percent of what I'm drinking right now. Oh, that's interesting. Eight eight percent is like my that's my sweet spot. But anywhere between eight and twelve, if it's anywhere in between there, I'm like, all right, it's good. If it's above that, I'm gonna be like, whoa, this ought to be interesting. <laughs> All right. We, well, hopefully we can make up for not being intoxicated fun. Yeah. No, this is just we'll still be make plenty fun. More interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, like, are you into arcade games at all? Yeah. I mean, uh, I initially, that was my first purchase was actually an arcade game from a local uh, co-worker of mine. That was actually my, um, my foot in the pond, as you will, to test drive the See, I wanted to get a home arcade going. And he was like, hey, you, you want an arcade in your house? I'm like, uh, fuck yeah, I want an arcade in my house. Who would just say no? So I bought a Tekken Tag Tournament. Is that a that, two or four player? That was a two player. Okay. Two player stand up. And it, and I basically was like, you know what? I'm going to like recondition this cabinet. And that's kind of like where I first started dabbling into the uh, uh, restoration stuff on the whole arcade and pinball stuff. But I did not foresee me getting into pinball, but uh, yeah. Did you get more arcades or was that you just kind of had the one and then transitioned I had, to? I had the one and then I transitioned to a MAME. I uh, bought an arcade cabinet that I converted from, I think it might have been a Big Buck Hunter. It was like a gun game and I converted it to a four player um, pedestal. Mm-hmm. And uh, that took off there i had like all the games on there because i just was looking out for real estate at that point i was like yeah i just want you know one that does everything and it did great and then eventually i got pinball machines and i realized that i need more space for pinball (laughs) so have you mixed the two and got a virtual pin no i i don't know if i ever will get a virtual pin i'm not against it but i don't know i'm I'm just very uh, savvy and i love mechanical so if I, it's something that, you know, I just enjoy actually being able to visually see and touch things. So like I've played them before and they are definitely a lot better than they were years ago, but I'm just a very uh, mechanical person, hands-on. So that's just me. What, what was your first pinball? Cause that's a, I think Ryan's story is similar where he got arcades and then all of a sudden stumbled upon a pinball. But Yeah, because uh, the same buddy of mine that sold me his Tekken Tag, he was like, well, if you're wanting to get more, 
then you need to go to these auctions that typically happen every so many months or whatever. So, and I found out when the next auction was going to be, and it was literally a week after I got married back in 2012. I believe it's when I got married. Yeah. And they, this is the still to date, the biggest auction I've ever been to. It has never been this big since then. And I'm guessing it started the resurgence was around that time because there were so many pinball machines and so many arcades that it would literally went on till about one thirty or two o'clock in the morning. And it started at like 10 o'clock the bidding did on all these machines. And so I was just mainly trying to get the cabinet that I eventually converted to the four player main. I was like, man, I just need to get me a cheap cabinet and then I'll convert that. But if I can get me a pinball machine for cheap, then that would be great. So as the auction was going through, I realized that pinball machines are more expensive than arcade machines. Quite a lot, because that was not what I was anticipating the machines to be going up to. And I didn't know anything about the games and what their going prices were, which games were good, which games were bad. And then, so I was like, well, I don't think I'm going to be getting a pinball machine. It's not going to happen until it got later in the night. And they got to like the real low end bargain bin area of the auction. And I was just texting the wife that, Hey, I'm about to head home and I didn't get, get any pinball machines. And then I hear the auctioneer state, does anybody want a pinball machine for $25? Like no one's bidding on, I guess, whatever is being bid on. And I was like, well, fuck yeah, I want $25 for a pinball machine? Hell, I don't, yeah, I raised my hand. He's like, sold. And I don't even know what I bought. It was like, I was like, what did I just buy? And like the crowd parted like the Red Sea. And <laughs> and I see this 1971 Bally Sea Ray sitting there. And it was one of those things where everybody like turns and looks at me like, you bought this? And I looked at that and I was like, I just bought that. Okay. Kind of thing. So I go up to it cause I'm curious now what the hell I decided to buy the back glass. There was more glass than there was art. The uh, machine did not turn on. And uh, that was pretty much it. The cabinet was in okay condition. But yeah, $25, I was getting crap from my brother and my friends. Like, you just bought a $25 paperweight or 200-pound paperweight or whatever and stuff. So my first official pinball machine was a 1971 Valley Sea Ray. And that was my, I don't want to say my last EM because I have bought another one since then. But that was my first machine. And then eventually I went into solid state. And that is my preference. I think $25 for any game not like water damaged would be pretty damn good. Yeah. And it was definitely a learning experience for me because it was one of those where I got to figure out how these machines work and you know, where can I buy parts and stuff like that and learning about the inner innards of the machine. And I also discovered that these EMs can catch on fire and still work. (laughs) Does that include a story of a fiery EM? Yes, that that is my story of when I learned about basically the the end of stroke switches on these machines and how if you're if, you do, if that doesn't work, then you're constantly using the high voltage portion of it, and you're holding your flipper button down, like I specifically told my son not to do because I literally had parts on order, and every time you hit that flipper button, the lights would dim. And I was like, all right, son, you can play this game, but do not hold down the flippers. 
And so then five or so minutes went by and I saw the lights dim and they never came back up until, <laughs> oh, no. my, until my son's like, Oh dude, the machine's smoking. And I was like, I walked in there like machine coming from the lockdown bar. And I was like, Oh my God. I had to like open the coin door and smoke comes billowing out and the coil uh, had a little bit of a fire going and stuff. And I was like, Oh my God. And so that smell was in the house for a while, but, uh, <laughs> but luckily, yeah. And like I said, they, they, they catch fire, but they don't have to worry about boards going bad or anything like that. No. Yeah. I've fixed a couple and it's as long as they're complete, it's kind of nice. Cause it's just cleaning and tweaking. Usually. Yeah. It's a good way to kind of learn and start. I just recently had somebody call and wanting to know if I would work on their EM. And I was like, uh, uh, I can, but I'd rather not. I mean, it depends on what the issue is. And he was having like, you know, a GI issue. And I was like, all right, well, those I can deal with because those are a little bit more simple than, uh, you know, all of a sudden player two works here and there every once in a while. I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to like file every fucking leaf switch and I really don't feel like I can only file so many leaf switches before I just don't want to do this anymore kind of thing. So <laughs> Unless it was like a $25 Grand Prix, then then it's okay. Yeah. So I was like, all right, like, all right well, you know, and the thing is that the machine was actually a Captain Fantastic. But he had more... So whoever had this in the past, they decided to replace the art with their own paints. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. I was like, oh, my Lord. The art on the cabinet was no longer Captain Fantastic. It was, like, painted with house paint and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, well, uh, your back glass looks good, and the back glass honestly looked great. I was like, man, that's actually completely intact. Everything else looks like shit. But, um, (laughs) yeah, I got it all cleaned up for him and everything, replaced the rubbers and... uh, he, he even wanted the LEDs on there. I'm like, all right, so I've got LEDs all installed for him. But, you know, as far as everything else, I've just, I'm not a fan of EMs. I do love the smell of them, but as far as like repairing them and getting them 100%, it is very tasking. Very. Yeah, I, I think I enjoy EMs in other people's collection when yeah. I can go play them, but not have to deal with their exactly. uh, temperamental asses because it's. Mm-hmm. Really a pain sometimes. Like so many relays, so many leaf switches, so many stepper motors. It's like, oh my gosh, I just want to be able to look at a board and go, okay, this transistor's bad, this one's bad, or this resistor, but nope, not on EMs. You bought, I guess this is, you said, after your wedding. Yes. <laughs> I remember a week, a week before my wedding, I bought a Rubicon Wrangler and my wife was not happy. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's a little more pricier, too. <laughs> Has she been uh, cool with, like, uh, wanting to join in in playing or fixing or purchasing games or supporting your hobby? Or is she just, like, okay with it because you like it? Like, how's that going with uh, when the relationship? When it comes to the, the, the wipe in this hobby and how things have been going, it's always been as long as I'm not losing money. And as long as I still pay the mortgage and stuff like that, as as long as it's not affecting our home life and our family and stuff like that, then I can do whatever I want. So if I bring in a brand new machine, she's not going to question it except for probably where am I going to put the damn thing? Because I'm at the point now where I'm starting to fill up my dining room. So 
eventually i'm like we don't use the dining room table and then and she's worrying that eventually i'm like we don't use the stove but it, like <laughs> as long as it doesn't escalate too far but she she understands and she knows that i don't lose money on this uh for what i'm doing when it comes to restoration or buying and flipping machines and stuff like that uh she's definitely gotten a lot more into it than i thought she would she enjoys going to texas pinball festival as much as i do although not for the same reasons uh she just likes going to the hotel and like relaxing and stuff like that without the kids but uh yeah but she deals with it she she's and some of the machines i've got and some of the machines i buy are because they're machines that she wants so that's what we'll go to pinball festivals and then she'll play certain games and go, I want this machine in our collection. I really want this. So that's the reason why I've got two of J pops games is because those are the ones that she really loved. What is her current favorite game? Let's see here. I don't have to ask her, but I want to say tales of the Arabian nights. Oh, that was one that we, we go to Texas pinball festival. She'd always be wondering if there was a totan on the game list. And then sometimes there would not be a totan on the list. Like someone would not bring that game. And if someone did bring the game, it might be not functioning 100%. So when one came up for grabs for a really decent price for me, I was like, all right, this is the chance. Do you want me to hop on this or not? And she's like, yes, go get it. Cause she really wanted that game in the collection and it's still going strong. That is the game that got me into real pinball, and I would have a really hard time not selling something to buy one if CGC remade it, because that would be gorgeous. If they do, it'll be a long time before they get to it. Oh, I know. They can't even get this fourth game out. Yeah. What brought you into the YouTube? So you kind of amassed a collection. You didn't piss off your wife. And now you're uh, on YouTube doing restores and reviews of Deep Root. How'd you get there? It started, I mean, before I started doing YouTube for like pinball relations and stuff like that, I had a, I've had my YouTube channel that I've currently got for, I don't know, 10, 11 years, but I've never like put stuff on there and cared if other people watched it kind of thing. But then I want to say it was 2017 or 18. I started a a gaming, like a, like a, like gaming channel with me and my friend and we were playing video games and, you know, like a lot of people were doing, like there's just a a plethora of them out there, play video game, look at me react while I'm playing it. Like, Hey, let's try this. And we did that for a good while. And honestly, I even got some of my earlier pinball videos on that channel um, where I'm like reviewing World Cup soccer with Penn Stadiums and the uh, Last Action Hero, I think might have been on there too. Where that's where I first started doing a little bit of dabbling with YouTube and pinball. But I think it was uh, definitely around the time where I found out that my mom had cancer, like level like stage four lung cancer, and you know I think I just really needed something to take my mind off my mom's upcoming death. And I picked up a X-Files machine and I was like, you know what? I'm going to get this all cleaned up and I'm going to start documenting it and making videos, make it episodic and then start uploading them to YouTube and just, we'll just see what happens kind of thing. I, I really just needed the distraction really. And so that's how it started was just me needing a distraction from what was going on in my life at that time. Oh, sorry to hear. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a, that's a nice way to kind of dive in and just get your stuff up there because 
if you keep trying to plan it, you never get there, right? You just have to just jump in and do it. Yeah. Do you still have that X-Files game? No, it's on location. I mean, I have it on one of my locations, but as far as in my home, no. But uh, yeah, it was one of those things where, and I realized that especially going from just recently doing a gaming on YouTube, I mean, I, I love playing video games and everything, but it wasn't like a passion. And as far as like making videos and recording of my pinball and stuff, I realized that it was definitely much more interesting. And I mean, I just thoroughly enjoy doing it. There's no forcefulness. I don't go, all right, time to do a video on this or whatever and stuff like that. But whenever I was doing video games, I would have to do that. I'm like, all right, time to play this game. I don't, even though I don't feel like it, but this is just, it just comes much more with ease because I guess it really is, you know, my passion. Yeah. And I mean, that's really awesome, uh, especially that you were able to get out there. And I, I don't know, I, I don't want to sound too much like a fanboy, but I love your content and uh, you're definitely like one of my more favorite YouTube pinball channels to watch regularly. So I'm very happy that um, you did end up taking that plunge and getting into something that you're now super energetic about and really driven and motivated for because it shows, I think at least. So I guess the next question I have, uh, well, it's kind of a two-parter. First part, uh, what is your lineup for our listeners at home that might not have seen much of your content yet? What do you currently have in your basement? All right, so my current lineup, and this honestly could change within the next week. Let's see here, because I'm waiting to hear back from somebody on uh, something, and we'll see where that goes. But Last Action Hero, World Cup Soccer 94, The Getaway, Johnny Demonic, Tales of the Arabian Nights, Judge Dredd, the Stearns Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Swords of Fury. That is a hell of a lineup, if I do say so myself. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and then I guess the next part here is, uh, how long have you been operating, and what has been the biggest challenge for a, I don't know if I want to say hobby operator, but maybe, maybe hobby operator, or at least initially when you were a hobby operator, if you're not anymore, uh, like yourself, uh, you know, kind of up and coming here. Yeah. I mean, I still am. It's definitely not a main source of income or anything like that. It's just something that I do like on the side, like, all right, I'll, I'll put these machines on location. And luckily where they're at, they weren't affected by COVID because um, people still need to wash their clothes. So like laundromats and stuff like that, washeterias, they didn't shut down because people still needed to clean their clothes And that's definitely where people have a lot of spare change to throw into machines. And uh, that never slowed down on that end. But I've been, I think I put my first machine on location in 2013 or 14, I think. It was a Road Kings was my first one to put on location. Holy hot System 11. (laughs) Yeah. Did that make any money? Uh... (laughs) It was, it was okay. It was one of those where like, I put it on there as a trial, like, oh, let's see if it gets any interest, you know, and stuff like that. And eventually I sold it to get something a little bit newer in there. And so, yeah, it's been nothing but DMDs since then. So I've routed a little bit as well. But have you noticed that theme plays a more to the... I guess it depends on where you're routing, but does theme play more an important role than gameplay does? 
It's number one. I mean, you have to have something that's going to immediately catch the kids' eyes or the adults. And a lot of the time with the adults, it needs to be a game that they remember playing or they're just willing to give it a shot and see if they find it interesting. But for the kids, uh, like your your best go-to is going to be like a Super Mario Brothers. And that's going to bring in the coin. And that's just because like they recognize who that is and they want to be in that world for a moment for 50 cents kind of thing. Mm. What do you have on route right now, then? Uh, X-Files. I have another Last Action Hero. Uh, Waterworld. Oh, my God. Uh, I have a Getaway. Dude, you don't talk shit about those Gottliebs. Those Gottliebs can take a fucking beating. Uh, oh, those no, things I... are amazing when it comes to route. I mean, I just, Stargate's on there, too. I mean, for whatever reason, like, Gottlieb made these machines for routes, and they hold up so damn well. I've owned two water worlds and I miss it. I, I, I call it the poor man's medieval madness. <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason, like my daughter, she really loves that water world. So when I brought it into the house to recondition it and get it ready for location, she didn't want me to take it away. And I was like, I was like, I got to. I mean, I don't want it here at the house. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but she, but she she loves playing in it. I guess she just loved I guess the ship how it would turn over and stuff like that. Okay, sorry. So what else do you have? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the Stargate was on there. Uh, and I, I think uh, I think that's it. Actually, I've only got like five or six. Oh, okay. That's a that's an interesting route. Is this at a? laundromat or is this like a bar where do you kind of yeah it's a it's a laundromat and then i had some up northern a little bit more that wasn't a bar but i only kept them there for so long because they were not uh basically anybody that was anybody could smoke around them and i didn't want the machines around smoke so i pulled them okay so these are are these all at one laundromat or at multiple okay interesting so my route was at a small bar bars uh but the same owner owned both bars i also like help him with his games and it has been interesting because like for for us the monsters pulled in more money than jurassic park pro did but people would argue that jurassic park is a better game but man the monsters doubled it really well i mean it's it's one of those things that to each their own i mean is there something that may like just grab someone's attention when it comes to theme I was going to say, so the, the bar it was at was in Superior. So I'm up in Duluth, Minnesota, which Superior is just the bridge away in Wisconsin. And that bar over in Superior is kind of like a, I don't know what you would call it, middle-aged people's bar. And so I can definitely see a lot of those 60, 70-year-olds playing it a lot because that was their era. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, remember I was, it too, but that was reruns. Yeah, I watched it a lot whenever I was younger too, and I was initially pretty excited about the monsters whenever it first came out, mainly because of just the art. I was at CES when they when Jack and Stern released it, and the premium with black and white blew my socks off. That game is so gorgeous. Yeah, just too bad the code didn't go along with it. <laughs> I think it's fine, but I suck at pinball, so. <laughs> But I I don't disagree that the it's very basic. It's like I don't know. I would say it's like my Tron is very basic, but I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm not good enough to even get deep in Swords of Fury. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. the thing is, I mean, it, the code doesn't even need to be too deep as long as you still just if it's fun to shoot. 
I mean, you can still have a hell of a time playing. Uh, but the thing is, I think it's even bit more fun, obviously, when you know how to play the game. It just, just for example, my recently my brother was playing Totan just yesterday, and he was like, he's like, man, I got a five million. Is that good? And I'm like, um, uh, <laughs> no. I mean, it's maybe for ball one. I mean, but once I explained to him how to play the game, then he he found it much more entertaining, and it was basically like, oh, he knows what he's supposed to do, and just the goals and stuff like that. It just makes it more entertaining even though the rules are still pretty basic, knowing what to do, it just makes it obviously much more entertaining. Did his games later then, did he progress much deeper or did he have just bigger scores? Oh no, he still sucks at pinball, but it was not, it's just, at least he knew what he was doing and what the goals were, but it doesn't mean he can make that damn ramp. (laughs) I would agree to that. I, I had this like huge expectation of Ninja Turtles. And when I played Ryan's, he said, I'm not going to tell you anything. You just play it. <clears throat> and I played it and I hated it. I thought I was like, this is stupid. And it's very <laughs> too, it's too much. And then uh, he pulled me aside, showed me kind of what's going on and basic shots, like what to shoot for if I really suck. And then after that, we played a handful of games and I started to enjoy it a lot more because so you, you have a, you know, you're, hitting the nail on the head right there about the top five things to do is pretty, a pretty good tip for someone that's getting into mm-hmm. a new game. Yeah. And I was just discussing with the wife cause I'm honestly thinking about selling my turtles and it's not that it's a bad game. It's just that one of the main reasons why I purchased it was due to it having the cooperative mode. But what's the point of me having cooperative mode whenever i'm the only one fucking playing the game <laughs> i was yes. like i was like i was like woman look i bought this game so everybody could play along with me but no one ever wants to fucking play so therefore i'm gonna sell this bitch and i'm gonna get me one that i really want <laughs> i was trying to buy a family oriented game where we all could play together but no one wants to play with dad oh <laughs> uh, yeah don't get a bubble hockey then I brought a check home and it was like, this is amazing. You love hockey. Same thing. She played it once. I beat her and she's like, I don't like it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm sad to, to hear that you, you might be getting rid of your turtles. I, I may or we may not. We were turtle like homies. Said, yeah, I know it. And I, I still love playing the game without a doubt. But I'm just like, man, if I can sell this one, though, and get one that I really, really want, including an upcoming one, then... I will, but you know, so that's the way I look at it. I'm like, I still love it. I'm not going to diss the game, and I'll encourage people to definitely get the pro. But I mean, I'm just going to try to go for a game that I thoroughly, really better enjoy. That oh. I don't care if like my family plays it or not. That next turn, that's what you're going for, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's it's a Rob Zombie. <laughs> Jokes on everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're cheap that. now. Uh, Carrie, what's your favorite YouTube video that you've made so far? Uh, favorite one that I've made? I don't know. It's one of those things where I've even gone through my content and just been like, oh, yeah, I forgot I made that. Um, I definitely do have fun with my skits because it's just a, it's just a fun way for me to poke fun at uh, manufacturers or whatever, particularly one as of right now. But... Um, <laughs> But just a little bit of a um, a teaser. There will be one in the Twippies, but uh, that, so there's going to be that. 
But as far as like my favorite, I don't know if I have a favorite, but I think I definitely had fun just most recently with my uh, Star Wars comic book edition one, my honest Star Wars trailer. I'm not sure if you recall that one or not, but it's after Stern announced their new Star Wars comic book art, you know, because it's the same game, just different art and stuff like that. (laughs) And everybody was making was laughing because I kept on saying Star Wars throughout the trailer of it and kind of thing. Well, and the other thing I kind of want to ask is, was that the same one that uh, ultimately was taken down for a bit? Uh, was that a separate yeah, one? I, I took it okay. down per request. Yep. And, and rightfully so. It was one of those where I put it out. I'm like, yeah, this is going to get flagged because <laughs> they, 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 they've done it before. But this time around, they were like, hey, just so you know, we can either strike this or you can take it down. And I was like, all right, well, thanks for the heads up. I'll, I'll take it down. Yeah. And I'll make some I'll make some changes. And so I did and put it right back up. I did exactly <laughs> what they did. I took something that already exists, stripped it of its art and just changed it a little bit. And then was like, look, it's all new. No one will notice. Well, what's funny about that is I was actually one of the, like, I don't know how many views you got on it before you took it down the first time, but I actually got to see the the uh, original uncut director's edition of yeah. uh, that YouTube video. And uh, I remember messaging you, and I'm like, dude, where'd the video go? And you're like, yeah, so <laughs> I'm, I'm making some edits to it. It'll be back up soon. <laughs> yeah. I was, like, I was like, man, no, I put some time into it. I say I put some time into it. I honestly didn't. That was so damn quickly put together. And that's why they were able to, like, you know, strike it so easily because I used all of their stuff. Well, let's so, be real. I'll, they didn't really put a lot of time into it either. Uh, hey, well, yeah. yo! <laughs> <laughs> that's what but i I was like i was like you know what this gives me actually some time to really poke fun at them so this gives me time to really just use where i'm copying and pasting stuff and because that's what they did with the art and stuff like that and i can (laughs) just make it just a little bit more humorous you know like fine you don't want me to use all your footage then i'll use a little bit of it including more that makes it even funnier so if anything i thank them for giving me the ability to make my video better yeah. Well, and so uh, the next question I have for you is, when did you first restore your first pinball machine? And uh, uh, what what game was that? I, I don't want to call my first one a restoration. I basically got that one working and then I sold it. Right. And then I was like, I was like, I was like, all right, well, I, there's a chance that I might be able to like profit off of this and still enjoy doing it at the same time, you know, be, be a hobby but also profit off it. That's everybody's dream is to have a hobby and make money with it. And um, so then I started like, you know, eyeballing the usual sites like Craigslist or whatever, you know, just trying to keep my eyes peeled for a cheap pinball machine out there, but preferably one that's solid state. And that's when I picked up a Bally Spy Hunter. So that was my first solid state machine. And that was the first that I ever like completely took apart and put back together. And that's when I really learned that I need to take pictures when doing this. Cause <laughs> yep. I like, I took everything off the top side of that play field and was just like, I'll remember where all this goes. And I did not remember where all that stuff goes. And I was like, man, I'm having to look online at all these pictures to figure out how to reassemble this damn game. And, 
And then I did LEDs and the whole GI was bright blue. And there's so many mistakes that I made in hindsight on the whole thing. But I'd say even then, I wouldn't even consider that one a restoration. I think my first actual restoration would be my second Spy Hunter because I ended up selling that one and I got another one. And that one, I had to redo the entire cabinet because it was waterlogged. The play field and the back glass were immaculate, though. And I ended up recreating, or not me, my brother ended up recreating the artwork for it. And he basically did it all new, but he still gave it the same retro style to it, so it didn't look too drastically different. But that was the first one I want to say that I restored. And I even clear-cutted the play field, but I'm afraid to say how I did it. I would not do that ever again. But um, yeah, then it was Back to the Future. I think Back to the Future was probably my next one after that. Well, and uh, you may have already mentioned it, but which one of the machines that you've restored was your favorite to restore? Uh, my latest would have to be my favorite, and that was the getaway. Because that one was pretty much, I mean, all new. I mean, I, I mean, had everything removed and brought it. Because I, you, this is, people don't understand that this, oh, that fucking game. Uh, I, I had that game taken apart for like two plus years working my ass off trying to get the original play field to do what I wanted it to do. I wanted to be the first with all transparent inserts and it was not easy to accomplish this goal. And mainly because of the insert decals were just not doing what I wanted to do. I was having a lot of negative reactions with the clear coat and I started realizing, I was like, you know, as much money as I'm putting into all this work and effort, I could legitimately just buy a new play field, you know, just bite the bullet, be done with it, have this game together, and then move on to something else. And eventually that's what I did. I was like, screw it. I'm going to buy a new play field. And so I did and finally got the machine all together. And it's, in my opinion, one of the best looking ones I've ever seen. Oh, it's gorgeous, at least from what I've seen mm. in the in the videos that you've obviously yeah. uploaded. So yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to bringing it to TPF next time around so everybody gets a chance to see it in person and play it. And Steve's supposed to sign it. Uh, he may or may not after I talked about Led Zeppelin the way I did. I don't know. That's still <laughs> up in the air. But we'll 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 see. Well, I'm excited to find out either way yeah. what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess I have like a multi-part question. Okay. What is a pre-2000s game that you would love to own? I was just eyeballing on Pinside, and it's still maybe on there, guys, if you want to check it out. It's, it's pending right now, but it is The Shadow. And oh, God, there yes. A, there, was, there was a cherry, cherry one located in Rhode Island, of all places. Like, I don't know if you can get any further away than Maine, but it was all the way up in Rhode Island, and it was pickup only. But I was looking at that, just staring at those pictures, and next thing I know, I started, like, touching myself a little bit and I was like, what the hell? I got to stop doing this. But it was a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful version of that game. And I was like, man, I really want this damn game. And I was honestly just like, I think I'm going to message him. I think I might bite the bullet and put the miles on the car or something. But it, it was definitely on my mind to per possibly pursue that. But it was a beautiful version of it. But yeah, the shadow was definitely on my wish list. Yeah, buddy of mine had one um, before prices went b bananas, but 
Holy smokes. I mean, that was so fun. And being able to flip your the furbas or whatever back and forth so that you have different shots. That was yeah. so cool. I love that because it made it to where I felt like I was in more control of the game. Like I control where I want this ball to go. And that's what I was hoping the turtles was going to be like. But it was nowhere near what the shadow was when it came to the possibilities and how you control the ball and stuff. I thought the exact same thing. Uh, Parnell probably remembers when I was gawping over turtles before they had like officially announced it or whatnot. And we'd gotten to see pictures. Like I was calling every distributor who will remain nameless, trying to get any information I could uh, through their like back channels. And, you know, I had heard that there was going to be a, you know, player controlled diverter. And I was like, holy shit, it's going to be like shadow 2.0. I'm so fucking excited. And then we got the turtles premium and I was like, well, it's not what I was hoping for. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at the link of the shadow guys. That That is, that's the one that is it. It's funny. Cause I bet you people would think it's expensive, but you're talking, New playfield, new ramp. I yeah. mean, new everything. It's that's what I saw. It newly replated wire forms and everything. I was like, I've got to get this. I was like, man, this thing is beautiful. I was like, God, I'm looking at it right now, just dreading not calling or getting a hold of them sooner, kind of thing. I'm like, everything is just shiny and just beautiful. So, <laughs> so props, nice. props to whoever owns this. If you're listening to this podcast, props to you for having a very beautiful shadow. He even says, plays like a dream. Damn it. I bet I it think, does. I, I think <laughs> the only thing I could possibly nitpick out of it is the colored GI. Um, yeah, the, the blue. Uh, well, the blue and the red. Because I, oh, I think I there's some the red, red guess, near, uh, what is oh, it, oh, the, the lock, right. the sanctum shot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I, I can't stand <laughs> colored GI. I, 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 some people, I, I, it's like, I'm going to make it my own, but I'm like, ah, just, and then that was the thing. That was what I was leading towards with my getaway. It was like, I want transparent inserts so I can make the inserts any color I wanted to. And I wanted to be basically make it to where the RPM gauge in the center, like eventually faded into different colors at different points and stuff like that. This was all in my head at the time. And I was like, it's going to be the first of its kind. And technically, it still is the first transparent inserted getaway. It just doesn't look good enough to put into a machine, in my opinion. But it would be the first transparent one. But uh, yeah, it's one of those things where I was like, screw it. I'd, I'd rather it be the same as everybody else and be functional and still look damn good. And I know whenever I was talking with uh, Planetary Pinball about purchasing the playfield, because they send you a picture of the playfields they had. And I know they were probably getting aggravated with me because I was like, can you get me a picture of a little closer shot of this? Ins-? I mean, I was being so picky, guys. I mean, in hindsight, I'm like, really, Carrie? Really? But damn it, I'm about to drop $1,000. I want to make sure this thing is going to be better than the others that they have to offer me kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to me. When you're dropping that amount of money and that amount of time, you want yeah, I was like, the best oh, of the best. I was like, I was like, I think there's something weird with this insert. Can you see me a close up of that insert, please? And then, and, and the thing is, the way they, the speed on it took like 12 to 24 hours for them to, to, to answer my request. And I was like, my God, the speed on this is slow. But I was correct. There was an issue with that one insert. I was like, damn it, my eagle eye caught this shit. So I had to, <laughs> uh, got the other uh, play field, which there is, uh, it's not perfect, but it's going to be very unnoticeable to the untrained eye. And I hate being so like crucial on that. And it's a, it's a, it's a, 
it's a curse, honestly, when you get into the restoration field on these things, guys, you start picking up and noticing every little thing wrong on stuff. And I hate it. Uh, it's just, it's in my head now. Was that, were, uh, were those play fields from the guy over in Germany or the like uh, new, new old stock? Uh, I believe they did the ones from Germany. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think he did F fourteen too. Yeah, there was a. That's a thick coat of clear on here. I was like, good god. That's what my buddy said too. Where he was going to send it to his friend Neo to clear coat, and he's like, uh, "There's a thick clear coat. You don't have to." Yeah. But he did it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh. So what about? I guess we could also do your 80s game is there an 80s game that you just really would love to have oh man 80s game I had besides to radical it. yeah it's your jam <laughs> right solid states uh yeah it's my, it's my jam but as far as like 80s go let's see here uh centaur that's one Ooh. of those where for whatever reason I don't get it, but for whatever reason, I really enjoy that game, and I think it's because it's challenging in a way, and I guess it's because the art mainly turns me on to it, and I didn't appreciate it as much until I was doing the playfield swap with my buddy Jason, and that's where I got a lot of time on playing it, and I was like, man, I just really want to get the Queen's Chamber multiball, and I can't seem to fucking ever get it. I get so (laughs) damn close, or I'm trying to get orbs in a row, and I end up freaking missing it, and I got to start all over again, and I'm like, God, I just want to master this game. So Centaur's up there where I would like to have one of those. Yeah, that's another game that's jumped up in value. It's kind of... Of course it has. I've only seen like one or two ever. They're kind of rare-ish. Yeah, I think when people get them, they hold on to them. And even mm. then, my buddy that's got the new play field in there and stuff, he's like, he's like, I'm never selling it. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so what about after 2000? So like 2000 and on? Uh, I really want, as of just recently, I really want a Jurassic Park Premium. I really love Jurassic Park Premium. I got for what little time I had on the adventures. I really enjoyed that. I wanted more time on it to really make up my mind. I was like, man, I was like, I was like, this, this is my game. I like it because there's so many damn shots and just how it plays. I am not a fan. I have like discovered this about myself. I'm not a fan of fan layouts. And it's not that I will hate the game. It's just that I find that I definitely draw more interest in the games with a much more obtuse layout. If it's not like typical games, for whatever reason, I will be much more entertained by it. So like, hell, even lights, camera, action is one of those play fields. I still remember playing that game and I could not get off of this damn game. I'm like, why can I not stop playing this game? <laughs> it's like, I guess it's just so different than everything else. So you're saying that you love Stranger Things then, right? Uh, no, let's not go down <laughs> that rabbit hole. <laughs> God. Uh, uh, I, he, he's going to redeem himself. So that's, that's one of those things where I'm like, he's, he's going to redeem himself. Yeah, no, I, I mm. wasn't, and I wasn't, you know, yeah. perpetually forever. Yeah, but, I, I know. It's one of those yeah. things where I was like, man, I think, I think a lot of people, at least that are, that know him well were anticipating something just so great because of all his previous games. Cause that's the thing with me is that I love all of his previous games from, you know, 20 plus years ago. 
And so when you hear that he's getting back in the game, it's like, fuck yeah. And then it's a theme that, you know, you really enjoy the show and then you play it and you're like, oh, okay, damn. So, I mean, I don't harp on most people that enjoy it to each their own, but it's just not for me. Yeah. We know a couple of people that just love the game. That's they just rave about it. Yeah, I mean, and they say that code helped, and I'm like, code wasn't the problem for me. I mean, I didn't go. This code sucks. No, I was like, I just don't enjoy shooting this. <laughs> I was like, hitting stuff and attempting to get it into the Demogorgon's mouth, and I was like, yeah, this is just not fun. Yeah, I played at CES, and I was like, I barely made it through ball two, and I'm going, oh, I'm having a hard time not walking away. <laughs> the Star Wars home home game was more fun. Yeah, for like for, yeah, I had a lot of fun on the Star Wars home game. But for me, when I was playing Stranger Things, I was forcing myself to play it. I'm like, I shouldn't have to go, all right, let's play another ball. I should like have the, okay, just one more ball feeling. And I never got that. It was like, oh, my God, one more ball. I, mean, I, I just, it was more of a, I, it's hard to explain, but it's, it's just a game that I felt like I had to force myself to enjoy it or somewhat play it. I kind of feel the same way about Elvira, hot take. But uh, which Elvira? The newest one. I thought you said you liked it. No, you're a fucking liar. I, know. <laughs> I have a podcast <laughs> that you said you wanted it. Yeah, I know yeah. I did, but I played it recently and I I know. Oh. For me, I, I honestly enjoyed the Elvira game. I just don't think it's worth what the cost is for it. I'm like, no, not for that amount of money. I'm not paying for that game for that amount of money. But the game itself. Yeah, I actually enjoyed it, even though it is considered to be kind of like a fan layout. It, it I is enjoyed a fan it. layout. Yeah, I mean, it's got it got your pop bumpers back there and stuff like that. So, I mean, like, yeah, it's a fan layout and everything, but it's one of those where I'm like, I'm definitely not paying the price for it to get it. So what do you think of Scared Stiff? I have fun with Scared Stiff. It was one of those games where, well, not Scared Stiff, the party uh, uh, monsters. That's the one that I actually prefer. Scared Stiff uh, was really? okay. Yeah, party monsters, for whatever reason... And, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I went to my friend's house. He had it and I grand championed the score and he still has yet to beat it. But I had, I had a lot of fun, even though it seemed like a lot of rinse and repeat. Dang. I must love crappy games. <laughs> you do, <laughs> but you're not good at pinball. So I yeah. mean, you're going to have different <laughs> tastes than us. <laughs> I'm true. definitely not good at it either, but for whatever reason, certain games, I'm, I guess I'm an idiot facade or something on certain games where I just like rack up scores. So where do you find time or is right? I was going to say, where do you find time to play when you have kids, but also your kids are older than mine. So you have, they can kind of be on their own and you can do more of your own stuff. Yeah. It's definitely after they go to bed. That's one time that I'll get in there or hell actually any time that they're here, as long as they're not, you know, destroying the house or whatever and stuff like that. But it's definitely my my peak hours is when I get home. I'm like, all right, that was, that was definitely a day at work. Time to crack a beer, turn these machines on, get a couple of games in, and hopefully they'll be decent. Or there's times where I've gotten home and played some games and been like, nope, not tonight. Turn these bitches off. Evidently, I suck. I mean, so <laughs> it, I mean I've had games basically just tell me, no, you're not good at this. You need to stop. And I'm like, all right, turning you off. <laughs> But uh, it's whenever I can is whenever I fit the time in. Do you have games in your garage? Is that how you can play them when the kids are sleeping? 
No, I have a the game room like where like all my videos. That is my game room. Uh, so it's about a about a four hundred square foot at least room with all my machines in it and stuff like that. But it's also utilizes where the TV and the consoles are there for the kiddos and stuff like that. And they come in here all the time for that. And I've got room for maybe one more game. Do they just not hear? Like, is it far enough away from the bedrooms? Yeah. And oh, okay. I purposefully trained them to where they should be able to fall asleep with any kind of noise going on. Because <laughs> oh if God. we're watching, if we're watching movies in the living room, I have that volume cranked. I want them to get used to just noises <laughs> and loudness. I don't want them to be like sensitive to like the smallest things to wake up for. Oh my God! I gotta tell my wife the new plan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you just gotta get them accustomed to it. Like that's like their white noise is hearing you curse at a machine from the other room, and all they hear is. <laughs> whatever and all the sounds they just need to come that's just the new normal oh that's great well carrie i'm glad to hear that i'm not the only one that uh (laughs) will go down into my basement and sometimes uh fire up the games and i'm like all right like let's do this and then i play a few games and i'm like all right fuck all you i'm going upstairs like i'm (laughs) I'm done all you bitches tomorrow you're all (laughs) dead to me like (laughs) ghostbusters Black Knight and Turtles, man. I swear to God, some nights I am like a savant, and then other nights they make me their bitch. Oh, yeah. Hard. Definitely with (laughs) Turtles. I've even, like, had horrible games where I'm like, you know what, doing co-op for four Turtles by myself because my family sure as hell ain't going to fucking play with me. So then I do four (laughs) Turtles by myself, and I still can barely make it halfway through all the damn levels. I'm like, this is stupid. I, I was like, I suck so bad. Yeah, but then you'll have that one game where you'll just be right, playing just by like, yourself, single player, and you'll yeah. get, you know, to the team up mini wizard mode, and you're like, fuck yeah, you know, I'm doing it. And I think those are those moments uh, that really make me fall yeah. in love with the game again. Get the extra ball, and you're like, ah, oh, you finally lose a ball, then your extra ball comes out, and that immediately fucking drains to the left. I'm like, fuck you, Borg. I swear <laughs> to God, what a waste of an extra ball. Yeah, extra balls are great. They rarely ever do anything. I, 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 I'm not uh, bowing good. So, like, when I get an extra ball, it's a crapshoot. I might get yeah. some points or it's some bitch might go flip, flop, flip, and it's either going straight down the center on a, you know, supercharged journey or out one of the outlanes. But Yeah, like, even just recently with Johnny Mnemonic, I had two extra balls. I got the one via the freaking uh, matrix and I got another one doing the video mode and I was like sweet I got two extra balls and I drained almost both of those bitches due to just like <laughs> horrible timing I'm like what a fucking waste and I was I was waiting for it to go like oh shoot again or whatever and stuff reboot or whatever but nope it was like nope you had your shot yeah, this, is, this is an extra ball you're not getting any saves on these bitches mm-hmm well, uh, all right. So the next question I got for you is, uh, this is, this is maybe going to be some exclusive content, but by the time that Parnell gets around to editing this, uh, just amazing podcast we have going on tonight, it probably <laughs> won't be exclusive, but, uh, are you willing to disclose what machine you're most likely going to be restoring next for uh, our uh, yeah. listeners? Yes, I sure am. Um, anybody that's anybody could easily look at the comments on Facebook or YouTube and see that it's definitely going to be Johnny Demonic. It's like a three to one ratio. I definitely had a lot of people going for Judge, but a lot more people, obviously, three to one, were going for Johnny Demonic. So I will more than likely be bringing that into the garage tomorrow, actually, and begin the teardown. Are you doing like a new playfield or just touching it up? 
Like I don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> it's like for all I know, I'm gonna have to see once I get it all taken apart. I'm gonna clean the play field and just see what we're working with here because it's got so much dirt on it. I mean, it may look great, but it also just may have all kinds of damage underneath the dirt that I don't even know about yet. I had a Johnny, and I think Ryan has two back in the past. And yep. from what I understand, it was like so little played through all of Johnny's lives that, yeah, the playfields held up pretty darn good. Well, well I'm glad so. to hear you'll be making some long-distance phone calls. Yeah. I, I, I tend to, <laughs> since I found out that that was definitely going to be the one, I mean, I've definitely put a lot more time on the game. I've like, replaced the flipper rubbers, and I'm like, all right, well, since I'm... And that is like a number one thing I've learned over the years is when I'm going to restore a game, I play the hell out of it to where I don't want to play it anymore. And that helps it to where when I've got it in pieces that I don't feel rushed that I need to get it back together so I can play it again. So right now I've been putting a lot of time on that game. So that way uh, I lose interest in playing it. Is it, but it's still dirty, right? Oh yeah. 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 I haven't done any kind of cleaning to it. I just like the rubber fell off of it after I first got (laughs) it at the house. And I was like, all right, well that rubber is going to stay there until I like, you know, restore it. That'll give me more incentive to actually take it apart is me not being able to play it. And so once I saw that the victor was going to be Johnny Mnemonic, I'm like, all right, time to replace those rubbers just on the flippers. The the, the rubbers on the slingshots are still just really, they just sit there. They don't bounce. The only time that they bounce is that the ball directly slams into it. Otherwise, the ball like falls from the upper play field, hits the slingshot rubber, and just slides down. That's how hard those rubbers are right now. I was like, oh, God. Yeah, so... (laughs) Do you have a preference on rubbers? Do you do like the rubber rubber or Titan bands? Titan, my buddy Eric owns the place. He only lives probably about 25 minutes from my house. So I definitely get to go over there, hang out with him, play his games and get my rubbers on. That sounds bad. <laughs> but uh, with, with your buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, I guess I want to bring something up that's kind of last minute here, but uh I heard through the grapevine that there was a stern survey that they sent out to some of the distributors. And I kind of wanted to just briefly touch on this because it sounds like based on the survey and what they were asking that they might be implementing more projectors and or UV lights and UV reactive paint. And I just kind of wanted to know or get your feedback and Parnell's, um, and maybe put mine in there too, I guess. But uh, wanted to know what we all kind of thought about that stuff because I know I definitely have my opinion about it. But I'm interested to hear, uh, Carrie, w- what's your take on what's your hot take on this stuff? I don't care for it. The uh, so once I saw what was going on with the LE for Stranger Things, I was like, so it's just a giant white stickers all over the place unless the game is turned on. And it's just one more thing that if it stops working, then the game just looks hideous then. So it's just one, I mean, it's one, it's, it's different if a coil goes bad or if a flipper breaks or if a mechanism breaks, I mean, the game at least will still, you know, visually be appealing and still be somewhat playable. And if the projector breaks, yeah, you can still play the game, no problem. But I just felt like it was, definitely a big old gimmick that they were throwing a lot into that i just don't think that i mean at least in this game it didn't sell me to where i'm like this is good i i want more of this 
I didn't have a feeling that, that I wanted more of it. Yeah, I personally felt like the projector was pretty weak and it didn't do, and I mean, it, it did as good of a job as you would kind of expect a projector that fits in the apron of a pinball machine to perform. But I didn't think that it was throwing like super vivid colors. It was just kind of like there. Um, so it, it didn't have the appeal of really getting like really crisp, clear, uh, high contrast, you know, pictures or, or movie clips, whatever, you know, up there. Um, Parno, what about you? So I saw this at CES, and that's a very well-lit uh, building where they had this game. And I, I usually don't play with my lights off. And yeah, you have these lots of white stickers, and it looked like, you know, DM VHS tapes being shot onto them when they lined up. I think the rumor had dropped that it was coming out, so I was like a little excited. But then when I saw it, it was pretty weak. Because the white was so big, it definitely didn't sell you when the game room was bright. It just looked really out of place. Like you would rather have art there than having all these big white billboards. Yeah. And I well, think that was just... A... Oh, go ahead, Curry. I was just saying with Stranger Things, that was just a big turnoff for me in general, whether it be the LE or, or the Pro on that game, is that you just had this giant wall that was going to be there until it finally, you know, showed you something else. I don't know. So I guess with the projector there, it was somewhat better because it was at least something motion that was, you know, giving you a little bit of a show. But once I saw what it was, I was like, man, I'm hoping this doesn't become the new shtick where it's like, this is going to be start going into a lot more machines. I was hoping that it was going to be one of those things like, well, we tried it. Let's move on. Well, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then what did you think about the UV light kits uh, not coming on the premium or the LEs, I think, and then the UV reactive paint? What was your kind of take on that? I, I was definitely thrown back on a tour. I was like, really, guys? I was, it, it's and it's, it's it's to be expected. I felt that on that game, I was hoping that there would be UV things. Because that was my mindset when it came to going into the upside down. I'm like, oh, that'd be really cool if they implemented like some Penn Stadiums thing where like, you know, when you went into the upside down, the play field was the same, but it was different. So that was my mindset. And that's what they did, but they just didn't have it included in the game, which was a big thing where I was like, that was my only harp was the fact that it didn't come with the game. But what it could do I was on board with. I'm like, oh my good, yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, people are thinking that they're going to have a a second play field underneath the kind of like you know your ACDC or Munsters for the upside down. I'm like, no, the upside down should be the exact same as the regular play field, but just you know darker and just you know grittier looking kind of thing. So the idea and uh, was great. I just don't believe they executed it well by selling it separately. I mean, from a marketing, I guess, and profit standpoint, it did well. But it should have been included. That should have. That, I think that would have also helped with the sales initially. Yeah, I I kind of agree. I mean, it's it was interesting, but I mean, you you look at other games like I had Attack from Mars remake, and I, I think the original was the same way. But it had reactive, uh, you know, paint on the play field. They didn't sell a, a UV kit for it separate, right? But it had UV reactive paint on the play field, and I don't think once they touted it or you know even commented on it right it was just kind of included so i think it could be cool 
but it's really going to come down to are they going to nickel and dime us and be like, all right, well, we added this super crazy in-depth UV paint, but you're going to have to spend, you know, $400 on our UV kit upgrade uh, for this new one to be able to, you know, really experience it. And it's like, you know, it's kind of could be a letdown, I guess. What about you, yeah. Parnell? I mean, I love the idea of this mod. And I've never seen one in person, the UV kit being on. I think at first the knee-jerk reaction was like like you guys, where it's like, this is so stupid. You guys just screwed over your customers. These games don't cost that much. You could throw in your kit. And maybe it was late, but I think now that we know how Stern operates, where they love selling accessories at pretty nice prices, uh, nice for them, not us. Yeah. This is the This was the start of their huge accessory line and it kind of proved it right it proved it to them that they could sell i think it was 250 they could sell a kit and it might not sell right away but once the fear of missing out starts rolling in doesn't matter the price look at those toppers they're just flying yeah carrie loves those thousand dollar toppers yeah can't get enough (laughs) i'm just still waiting for them to figure out what the ceiling is on those things I'm I'm fully expecting it to be the next one to be like over fifteen hundred, just because I think Gary's, you know, gonna try to push for that ceiling. Like, where will it end? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, and the last thing I forgot to add here in the show notes. So they also got feedback about the gun, uh, the Led Zeppelin LEDs built into the side art. Carrie, have you seen? Uh, Led Zeppelin with that like side art package installed on it where it has the the mood lighting no the uh their ELS their yes uh, I'm not in person but okay. there there is a product that is being made or in the works I'm trying not to spoil anything here but I'm aware of a product that's currently in the making that I believe will um, assist with people with these particular games and uh, other Stern games as well. And um, there's also, I'm hoping to get feedback here pretty soon that I'll be able to help this person show this product off on my channel. That's going to be really good for other games as well. I'm pretty excited about it, but uh, he's not ready to launch just yet. So that's in the works. Uh, It's one of those things where their ELS, for at least for Zeppelin, is much more for the aesthetics and not so much for actual lighting. Now, I'm an individual that likes to play games in the dark. I like dark rooms and just feeling like all I have in front of me right now is this game. Nothing else around me to distract me kind of thing. So that's why I'm a big friend of like, you know, the, the Penn Stadiums is because it really lights up my games. So when you have like an ELS system that they have, and it's a really good, you know, visual show, but it doesn't really do much for illuminating the play field. So, yeah. I got the chance to see an LE, uh, which I think comes with that from the factory. And it was interesting, but it wasn't as cool as the Guns N' Roses. Yeah. And it didn't offer as much lighting as I had hoped it would have thrown um onto the play field so i can kind of echo that like i think it's kind of cool but i'm not really sure if it's something that i would like like if i had the choice between normal side art and 
the ELS and it costed, you know, twice as much or three times as much or something. I don't know if I'd necessarily like spend more to get the, the fancier, you know, art blades. Yeah. And for me, it's one of those things where I'd, I definitely, if I'm going to be spending money on, especially a good amount of money on my machines, I'd like it to be something that um, has a lot more purpose to it than just, you know, some bling kind of thing. Yeah, I like interactive stuff. Like, yeah, I didn't buy this, but it came with my machine. But I was uh, fortunate enough that the Metallica Pro that I got came with uh, the Pin Graphics Power Blades, and those are yeah. really cool. Yeah, I don't know if I would have cool spent. Effect. Yeah, I don't know if I would have spent four hundred dollars for it, but they're really awesome. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I I can understand and see the like the the want to have something that's interactive but uh to like what extent is you know i think kind of left to be seen and uh, i mean who knows right their next iteration maybe they'll blow it out of the water but yeah eh. this is basically their their trial they're gonna get it out there start testing it and then eventually they're gonna perfect it and really improve the system but it wouldn't surprise me that we're gonna see the els on the upcoming titles and it's gonna be better integrated into the system i haven't played Led Zeppelin, so I don't know how well integrated it was. Like, the only way they're going to make that better is with code. So, yeah, I, I forgot to ask you because I was like, well, he hasn't gotten to play it yet. But sorry. no, that's right. It's uh, <laughs> like I've only played the pro, but the LE um, may be better, but uh, it should be due to the fact that it's got that wire form that returns that uh, upper flipper shot. Well, it's really better because it has the uh, baby blue powder coating. That's really mm, what sells that machine. Yeah, that's <laughs> – to each their own. I'm just like – I'm just saying if I was to – if someone literally bought me an LE, like this is your game, I'd be like, well, if I have to have this in my house, I'm going to get it repowder coated to a different color. <laughs> Thanks for the gift, but it's ugly. So yeah, I'm like, God bless America. I got to spend the sandblaster and the powder coating. That's four hundred bucks right there. I'm gonna have to spend to get this game to where it doesn't make me just cringe when I look at it. I'm convinced that the reason they went with that color is like the powder coating company just had like a surplus of that color for whatever reason, and they're like, please buy this fucking color. We'll give you like a discount. And Gary was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll take a discount. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah there's, there's, there's some blue on the back art on there. That'll, that'll go just fine. Yeah. Uh, that, what's what funny is that a lot of people were like, Oh, I think the blue looks great. And then I showed them in my video and I was like, here's some other colors. And I was like, well, damn, actually white looks pretty good. <laughs> like, I know a lot of other colors look pretty damn good, <laughs> but they went with fucking blue. And not like a dark blue, like a fucking yeah. baby blue. Baby blue. Mm. But, all right. All right. So the one of the main topics tonight is, is a deep game better for long-term staying power in a collection than a shallow game? Uh, and I think we're going to have very different opinions, which is probably going to be pretty cool to kind of discuss. Well, one of us will. Two of us won't. I guess yeah. I'm kind of outing myself a little bit, but uh, <laughs> what do you uh, think? I would feel that it's definitely a large contributor, but it's not a make or break for a game. I think that if you have a fun game filled with like interesting moments, 
that that will keep the game in your your collection over the fact that you have a storyline or a complex list of codes that you can go through because I've even I've got plenty of games back here where the code is pretty simple but just the gameplay is so entertaining and interesting it kind of just overshadows that but I guess I want to point out in general that I would, I remember I was so excited about getting a Black Knight 2000 and I loved how it played until I realized there wasn't much there except for that right flipper in the upper play field. And so after a while, I was like, yeah, I think I'm done with this game. Because, I mean, it's fun, it's fast, but there's not really much to it than these same shots over and over again kind of thing. So that's a big contributor right there. Everything else on it was great. I'm trying to think of other games that I've got that are a little simplistic. But uh, <laughs> Totan, yeah, 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 Totan's <laughs> up there. But the thing is with Totan is that it's got some other nifty things involved in there. How it interacts with the ball, the cages that can save your ball, the magnets and stuff like that. the The rules are simple, but just the way the ball goes around the playfield and how the game looks, I think, overshadows that with beauty. I guess. I think that would be said about like shadow. Right? Because that's a lot of ball manipulation. Yeah. Oh, that breakout area up top, man. That thing always is super cool whenever I uh, get Mm. to play one. It, like, plays weird. So that every time I had the ball up there, I'd always want to get back up there. Because it's like, I didn't get to finish what I did. Like, I want to try it again. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely moments in machines that I've played that aren't as deep. Right. Um, I mean, I know I won't speak to Parnell. I like deeper games, but I like games even deeper than a lot of like 2000s games because I'm not getting to the wizard modes all the time. But if I can get to the wizard mode like more than once or twice, it kind of loses some of its like allure, I guess, a little bit where it's just like, well... This is a lot of fun, but if it doesn't have enough to captivate me and like the toys, um, you know, it's a game that goes like a great example, World Cup Soccer. Yeah, I love the game. I love the game. Uh, I had it for a while. I I played the shit out of it. It was a ton of fun. All my friends were pissed when I got rid of World Cup Soccer because that was like the game anybody can walk up to and have fun. But, you know, after I got to the wizard mode a few times, I was like, okay, well, this is kind of like there's nothing left for me to do. And, you know, I, you know, moved on to the next game. But, uh, yeah, I've started to come around where I do have uh, a game or two or three now down in my basement that are shallower. Um, They're still kind of deep, but they aren't super deep because there is a lot of redeeming factors in a game that like you said like with totan the game can be simpler but if there's enough interaction and manipulation and just cool things going on with the ball it's like yeah you know i don't give a shit because this thing's just like got toys everywhere on the play field yeah i think with me it's mainly in the end it's like did i have fun or do i have fun playing this game that's the end result is that like if I'm playing a game and the objective is just to get a high score, but I'm not having fun then I don't fucking want that game in my collection. I want to be playing it and being like, God, this game is fucking fun. I mean, or I, I just, I just have fun or I have a certain feeling as I'm playing it. 
And if I don't get that feeling of just enjoyment while I'm playing it, then I don't want it. I mean, you could have great rules, but if it's just not fun to shoot, and that's one reason why I harp on Stranger Things is that you may have good code or rules now, but I didn't have fun shooting it. Yeah, and I, one of my friends, I don't think he's ever going to let me live live this down, but uh, I had a Monster Bash uh, that I had picked up in a trade, and I got rid of it in like a week and a half. I was so bored of that game, and I know that that is like heresy because that's one of the greats, man. Uh, but mm-hmm. it it felt like you had said earlier, you just mentioned as far as, uh, you know, it was one of those games where, you were playing it for the high score and it just didn't really feel fun. Like yeah. it had some funny call outs and it, it had like a moment or two, but it, there was never a time where I was like just being blown away. Uh, I'm God awful at monster bash, dude. Every time I play that game, that game just lets reminds me of how horrible I am at pinball. It's like, you, you don't, you're not good at this. Just give up now. And I'm like, I, I can't get a score on there. I'm horrible at it. I don't know what it is. But that game, I have never gotten like a really high score on. It's weird. Yeah. Well, and, and Parnell, I mean, why don't you go ahead and weigh in now? Because you've been kind of quiet. I know your answer to this because you've got pretty shallow games in your basement. <laughs> <laughs> but to Carrie's point, like, and that you, Ryan, you might have said this before, too, is the events in the game mean more than what the game has. So, like, for me, Scared Stiff was super fun. Now, I think some of this, too, is I've only played that at a buddy's house who lives seven hours from me. Like, I have Ghostbusters, Metallicatron, Medieval, Lord of the Rings in this row, and they're all pretty fun, but I'm not good. Like, I don't get very far, and I've never beat any game that I've owned unless I pulled the glass and finger poked. Ryan wants me to get rid of Tron, but I, I seem to have a lot of fun with that, and part of that is... The music, it's like the full experience of the music and the DMD animations and just me remembering what it was like to watch that movie for the first time and just being blown away. Otherwise, I find myself like not playing Ghostbusters or Lord of the Rings too often. I usually, like today I turned on Medieval Madness and I had that moment that you had, Carrie, where it's like two games and I'm still horrible, you know, like the worst balls and it's like guess there's no pinball today and you flick it off it's like yeah fuck you (laughs) exactly it's like this game just doesn't want to be played today yeah oh and so if cactus canyon's dropping i mean that i've never played one but that sounds like a really enjoyable game uh just because it's you kind of know that the the 90s era williams are going to have a lot of fun i love ryan's attack from mars I think it shoots a lot different than medieval. So I could have them side by side, but I'm not good. Like I've never gotten to the King of pain. I think I've maybe beaten three of those guys. I don't know. I don't play often either though. So that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you might be right. I think it may be for me. It's the moments for like tales of Arabian nights. Like when the genie grabs your ball and then, um, some of that, those, uh, what is it, is it the tiger lock where it like magnets your ball and locks it without you even seeing it. Yeah. And then, the hitting the ramp to the carpet flying carpet thing. I mean, damn, it might be a simple toy, but I have so much enjoyment hitting those shots. In the wizard mode for Totan, I mean, I've honestly only beat it once 
and it was a monumental moment. It was one of those things where I was like, all right, I'm just going to play a quick game because I'm sure I'm going to suck and then I'm going to go to bed. And then that game turned into like the best game I've ever fucking had. And I'm like, how is this possible? And I was honestly just going to play a game, going to lose my ball like I typically do, probably get like 20 some odd million or whatever. And then it turned into a 60 million game and I beat the wizard mode and stuff. And I, I was like, after I beat the wizard mode, I was like, all right, so just rinse and repeat. Okay. Um, but and it's one of those things where it was definitely the battle with the genies. Like you know, my blood was racing, you know, my heart was pumping and everything. I was like, oh, I've, I've got to beat this fucker because I've gotten to him before, but I just couldn't nail a ramp to save my damn life. I mean, kind of thing. And so it was nice this time around that I was actually nailing the shots. But overall, I think the end of it is if it's fun for the individual. And I think that's what makes pinball so interesting and so polarizing is that it's definitely up to the individual. If it's fun to play, that's all that matters. And that's what's going to be the end result on whether or not a game sticks around as someone's collection is if it's fun. Yeah, and fun's very objective too, right? Like yeah, some that's people the thing think is, yeah. Stranger Things is fun, and you know it's it's not, but you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, no that that's a that's a really good point because the moments can be more powerful than any amount of rules or depth, and and I'm learning that. Yeah, well, what's funny is that when people take offense to you not enjoying the games that they have in their collection, like we're talking like Pinside or Facebook or whatever talking about stranger things those stranger things advocates are so like get their heels dug in so hardcore and get so mad that you don't enjoy stranger things you don't give it a chance it's got better code now i promise you should play me yeah i mean just like give it up dude i mean you can like it all you want to i mean you can praise it i'm gonna diss it that's just the way it is i mean just because i don't like it doesn't mean you shouldn't like it when people talk about games that I have in my collection, whether it be turtles or whatever, I'm like, yeah, to each their own. That's the, turtles, that's the beauty of it. Turtles is amazing. They're just fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but when they say the game is hard, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. It is hard. It is brutal. Yeah. I like ass kickers though. Like I, mm-hmm. I've got, you know, TNA, uh, Ghostbusters. I've got Black Knight and, turtles and uh, now recently just got a p3 and uh you know i've got a t3 down here too and also another game so i really like uh i i really like brutal games like if it's not challenging me enough like it's it's not fun oh metallica that's the other one uh so i mean yeah I, i i like hard games and i set my games to like kill i normally open the lanes up all the way i make the slings like super sensitive but I mean, you know, uh, I, I'm an asshole, uh, but I enjoy my games to play like assholes because uh, yeah. apparently I, that's what I enjoy. So um, I, I definitely tend to like those games that have call outs that like make fun of you if you lose your ball and stuff like that. I guess that's what I liked about like Black Knight games mm-hmm. and um, yeah, hell, even Turtles with Crane and stuff like that and Shredder. And I mean, I love games that insult you when you lose your ball or if you're not doing too well, they make fun of you. I love that. So in a way, I do love a little bit of pain while I'm playing as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I know you aren't super hot on black Knight sort of rage, but God damn, do I love that game? And I yeah. love all the call outs that Steve Ritchie will 
openly and actively shout out to you because you're a bitch and you need to play mm-hmm. better. Yeah. Like, and that was the thing is that uh, I, I don't, I don't hate the game, but it's just one game that I was wanting to get. And then once I saw it, I was like, eh, I'll pass. Yeah. And I played it and like, yeah, it was fun, but uh, I'm not going to shell the cash out for that game. Yep. No, I mean, it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess we'll, we'll transition on to our next topic. I, I guess Parnell, do you want to go ahead and ask that question? <laughs> This is, I brought this up because uh, I was having a very hard time trying to sell any game in my collection. What makes a game have staying power in your basement? How do you decide when it's ready for it to leave? Oh, it's ready to leave whenever I have the possibility of getting a game that I would rather have other than the one that's on the bottom of my list. So that was the same ordeal on the last couple of times like getting rid of back to the future was not an easy thing for me because that is my dream theme. And I've wanted for years before I got it to have it. And honestly, it's not a good game. It's not. I mean, it's, it's, it's a game that I tip. I only had because it was my dream theme. And there's plenty of people out there that have this, not just for back to the future, but for other games, because it's just the theme. And I think there's definitely a lot of, we're, we're going to be talking about a lot of stranger things here, but like, I think that's why a lot of people hold on to certain games because it's just a theme that they really enjoy. And as much as I love Back to the future, I realized that I didn't care for it. And I think it was just time to let it go to bring a game in that I would actually rather enjoy playing than that one. So I got rid of that one and got another one. And the same thing with Black Knight 2000. I just wasn't having as much fun. So I'm thinking when it loses the fun, whenever you realize you're just like, I, I just, I just, I'm not feeling it anymore. You're going to lose that flame. And I think that's whenever, you know, it's time to get something else or bring something else into the picture. So if you were going to get a new game, let's just say the next title that you want is Back to the Future and a, a new version gets dropped. Are you buying that without playing it, or are you going to play it before you buy it to make sure that you're going to sell something? Oh man, lower that's on the a list. tough one. That is a tough one because Back to the Future, like I said, is a dream theme. So chances are, if I knew, well, it depends. If it's Stern making it, no, I'm going to wait. Uh, I'm not going like Ellie or whatever and stuff because I know that they're not going to do all the assets, and that's the only way I'll get it Back to the Future is if they have all the assets. And I just, I feel like they won't, but, um, the back to the future thing is definitely, I would rather play it before I buy it. And so that was my whole ordeal. Even with turtles is that I went somewhere, played it. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is something that I want. I'm going to have fun with. I kept on wanting to play another game. This is what I want. So I bought it then. But if I, I'm, I don't know if I will ever buy a game without playing it first. Okay. And, uh, so you, you mentioned a little bit like when the fun dies. So question I have is it's, I guess, kind of a two-parter. So by fun dying, does that just mean a game that you're not like playing as much or you turn them all on and you know, when you're downstairs and you just find yourself time and time again, like not playing that one machine, you just kind of like sidestep it uh, and fake it out at the last minute. Is that kind of how you sort of judge it a little bit or do you just have that aha moment like where you're like this isn't fun anymore i don't think this i don't think it's not it's not an aha moment it's definitely a a segue that just kind of gradually builds to that way 
to where I just realized eventually, like, you know what? I haven't played this game in a long time. Why is that? And then I play it, and I'm like, huh, maybe that's why kind of thing. You know, I just don't care for it as much as I used to, or it's, yeah, it just loses its feeling. And, or it's, but I usually only start getting that feeling whenever something's coming up. Like, okay, I could replace this game and my spot with this game. Do I want this game more than that one kind of thing? That's how that typically works. But the thing is, it's getting to the point now in my collection where I don't want to let any of them go. If I, if I had the room, I wouldn't let any of them go. I would just keep building up and eventually be one of those people that's got over 20 damn machines in their house. <laughs> well, I mean, you said you have room for one more downstairs. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah we, we I heard got, it. I, I got room for one more. <laughs> I technically got room for two if I never want that door to open again. Oh, fuck that door. You don't need to use it anyways. (laughs) It's like I'm getting all my back boxes to touch each other. We're going to fit one more in here. Well, it wouldn't be the first time or the last time that we've seen uh, online someone's rocking something like that. I couldn't do that, but, uh, you know, some people are brave enough to. Yeah, I tried talking the wife into possibly putting one into the bedroom, and she's like, no. I was like, we got room. I can put one right here. That's a big no. Big negative. She's drawing the line at the bedroom. Dining room, she's willing to let that go because we only <laughs> typically use that for like you know Thanksgiving and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> uh, not in the bedroom. All right, all right, and uh, you know to the other point or comment you had made earlier. So like, let's say Back to the Future is coming out tomorrow. Does that mean that any one of your machines could possibly be up? Because you'd kind of made the comment. You're like, yeah, if I want something bad enough, like, and I can trade it out. So like. Let's just hypothetically say a, a prototype Back to the Future falls off of a truck or something, right? Kind of situation that's about to come out. And the guy's like, yeah, you know, I'd trade for a, a I'd trade Kerry Hardy one of his machines. If you necessarily, if it wasn't the lowest on your rung, would it still be one that could be up? Like, is your collection in that way kind of floating that you could Turn. technically justify any of them? Yeah, turning around and looking at my games right now, I think probably and honestly my least favorite is judge dread uh it's one of those games where like yeah it's got a lot of shots it's kind of cool and everything especially since i added the soundtrack it helps it but i think it's my least favorite of the lineup right now so in the future if i need to sell it that that will probably be the one that goes so then the like you wouldn't necessarily be selling totan tomorrow if you needed to get something i don't think the wife will let me (laughs) <laughs> I've even I've, I've told the wife too. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna sell freaking Totan and get me a JP Premium. She's like, you better not. So it's it's one of those things where she won't let me sell that game. That's her game. So, well, I guess really we have a we have a bonus topic here. We're gonna get to talk about a little bit and uh, uh, Deep Root. We haven't uh, really gotten to hear you talk about Deep Root outside of your video, which was informative. I'm not trying to throw shade at you not covering everything, but uh, man, what was it like? Like, <laughs> fill me in. Like, did you have That's like bags? Yeah. <laughs> did you have bags put over your head? Uh, you know, was it was it Mission Impossible where they pulled the bags off once they had walked you around and driven the car around a whole bunch to a, a building that wasn't a factory? but was a factory. It, it it was not a factory first of all. 
that was it was far from that the um it, that's the thing is that i think all of us were very excited for this and like going forward everything that i say about deep root going forward from here on out is solely my own thoughts and opinions i'm not speaking for the other five that were with us uh just for clarification purposes so i'm going down i'm going down on this ship by myself so <laughs> okay the, yeah, going in there we were all super excited and I was honestly expecting to see very little. I was like, man, they're only going to show us, you know, Raza and that's it and stuff like that. But no, like they brought us like the first thing that we did when we got in there was sign all the forms and got our lanyard. And uh, then we got brought into where like J-pop and uh, Barry Alzer were at developing their new games. So we got to see, uh, the next game that J-Pop's working on and stuff like that. And I believe that one was the uh, Fire and Brimstone. So I got to see what that looks like in its current Whitewood state. Um, I'm not going to divulge too much information about that one, but I will let did you it, know that it... Did it tickle it looks, your pickle? It looks very J-Pop-esque, meaning the ramp styles and how things are laid out. So it's not... It looks better than Raza in the Whitewood form. But we're talking it was pretty basic Whitewood. Pretty basic. But just the way it was laid out and what they've got going on, uh, they're bringing in some new elements on that one that I haven't seen in another machine yet. And then they brought us into their prototype room, which they had every Whitewood and every like thing and different uh, stages of Whitewood, and I even got to see the um, the Goonies. Like, yeah, this is our Goonies. This is what Owsler's worked on right here, and so I got to see what that game looks like in its current Whitewood state. But all I really got to see with that was how it was laid out and a description of what else was going to be going inside it. And it was a lot of words that if that actually happens, then yes, that will be cool. But that was it. There was no other mechanics underneath the white woods, no solenoids or anything like that. The flippers were just kind of like in position. That was it. And it wouldn't surprise me if that's how every white wood was. I don't think any white wood was playable. I'm thinking it was just the layout in general. And then they okay. brought us into from the white wood area. They brought us over to where they were showing us the topper for Raza. And the topper that you see now is not the topper that we were shown. The topper that we were shown was much cooler. And I was like, that's pretty damn cool. But they went with a different topper as what it looks like, at least. Um, so the other topper that they showed us looked like it would have been much better. But I'm thinking they probably scrapped that due to cost because it, it had a lot more movement on it. Uh, a couple of different motors and stuff like that. And then we got introduced to the one person that was doing all of the soldering for whatever they were getting done. There were two Razas that they had built. And I'm like, wow, they've got one person that's doing all of the soldering for all of this. Yeah, I, I would probably want to get shot by the time that was over and done with because that is a lot of soldering. But then it comes to find out, no, I wouldn't because it doesn't look like they're doing that much soldering when it was over and said and done. So after we got brought after that, then we brought into, and we saw 
like we're talking like studio quality um people in place position to record all of this stuff guys this was like ridiculous they had like the whole okay you're gonna wear this uh wireless mic here this uh lapel and everything and and then they get you over here and they had the little the little clacker card thing all right blah 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 scene five blah 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 clack lighting good blah 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 all right good like all right action i'm like what the fuck we we are in some deep shit here guys this is not they're, they're not messing around they're like <laughs> they this is like serious stuff here i was like and so we got brought in to basically explain like the, this person would ask us questions they didn't they didn't show this in their video and uh and I, I guess i understand why now but like they brought us in there to this backdrop and they were asking us questions you know uh, how did we get into pinball like even some of the questions that you guys asked me earlier and they were asking you know what are we hoping to see with deep root. And I remember like one of my main things that I pointed out to them was that I want to see more underneath the glass. I want to see pinball be more mechanical than digital. And as you both know, later on when Raza finally got revealed, it was pinball and they went really digital with the pin bar. So it is not what I was hoping it would be at least. And, um, so after we left there, then we, I think by that time that rolled around, I think we had a couple of seminar things where they were just talking about the things that they've been working on. And then we went to lunch and then they finally brought us into the, um, seminar room again to go over every title. This was something that I was kind of really questioning was that they went over every title that they're going to be doing over the next X amount of years. And I was like, really? They're just letting it all hang out here. They're not leaving any kind of room for, you know, like to question this, to kind of be like, oh, I'm wondering, there's no room for imagination here. They're just letting it all go. Like, this is what we're working on. This game's going to be this. This person's designing this. We got the license for Goonies. Uh, Owsler's doing this. We got this, 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 and this. And just going through all these slides. And I'm like, wow, I feel like um, this is just information overload. But, and they started showing, talking about other things that they've been working on when it comes to the way the glass lifts off the play field. And this, this is, like I said, this is before they revealed what Raza looks like in its current state. So they were talking about the easiness of, or the, the issues, I want to say that in quotations, with, when it comes to removing glass from your pinball machine and lifting the pinball machine up and stuff like that. And of course, also, during this time, we got introduced to the pin pod, which I was like, okay. I mean, as long as it's an option, then okay. But is, that's how you're going to do all your games? No. Then eventually, we get introduced to Raza. Now, this is where all kinds of red flags started to hit the damn ground, guys. And this is where we all were really questioning the potential of this company. I don't want to call them a manufacturer yet because I don't still do not think they are should be considered one. But we get brought in, and this is something that I want you guys to think about. How long that they have been working on this game? Years. How many salaries that they've had to pay for years? And we get brought in to a Raza, that is very similar to reminiscing to like 
someone's homebrew machine and it's not working. So we're all gathered around this machine and the engineers, again, I'm quoting here with my fingers, engineers that were there working on this machine couldn't figure out what the issue was. And then we get brought into their future production line. This is where a whole bucket of red flags hit the ground because we go into the manufacturing area and there's nothing there. It's basically him saying, yeah, this is what we're going to have. We're going to have this here, this here, this here. People are going to be here, here, here. It was all talk and no walk. And trust me, we were asking questions. And again, we're on camera this whole time. So there's a little bit of like, I want to ask this question, but I don't want to embarrass him because this should be an obvious thing by now that they should be much further along than what they are. And we're curious at this point of when he's wanting to launch these. And then that's when we find out also that he was wanting to launch Raza in October. So think about that, that not only has he not been able to get the games out right now, he was wanting to start taking money or at least getting the orders ready to do it in March in October. And once we heard that he was wanting to do it October, trust me, we all looked at each other like not going to fucking happen. There's no way. And it's questionable that those of us are aware of this, that not all of us are aware of manufacturing and how difficult it is and how it works. And we all agreed in unison after we left there that this, there's no way it's not going to be able to work that fast. He should have been much further along than what he should have been. And it was one of those things also, and I, I'm, I don't know what you guys do for a living, but I'm definitely in the equipment fields and repairing and um, stuff like that, electronics and everything like that. So whenever you're working on your machines, guys, this is just something to take into to thought here as I'm looking inside of this Raza. What is very helpful whenever you're trying to track down an issue with a component that's not working when it comes to the wires? Color-coded wires. Color-coded wires. Very good. Now, so whenever you see color-coded wires, you're like, okay, you're looking through the schematics. I need to follow green-white. Green-white, I can trace this and figure out what's going on, hopefully. But what if I told you that every color of wire in this game was red? That's terrifying. Does this prove, like, they lit, or the guy running it just has, like, legit no common sense to what is needed to actually get a pinball machine out the door. Cause that's, that's right. Right. That's like worse than the homebrew. Yeah. Like anybody that's even doing homebrew and putting this stuff together, they don't just use all the same color of wire. That would be horrible. That would be just the worst thing ever to diagnose issues. And inside, I mean, it's your basic stuff, guys. There's nothing here that you can't purchase anywhere else. A computer motherboard that's running with HDMI cables to the screens. And it's so simplistic, honestly, with a couple of different things that I guess they want to classify as being um, 
their own making, but uh, I'm going to lean towards big negative on that. All their parts are standard parts that you can get from Marco. I mean, all their solenoids and part numbers are all there. One of the people are they, that was there with us was very savvy when it comes to part numbers. And so when we got to look under there, they were able to know all the part numbers by heart. Like that's that, that's that, that's that. None of these parts are like difficult to come by when it comes to the mechanical nature of them. Yeah, they did a lot of the metalworking in their own place, in their machine shop. At least that's what it looked like because they had the tools there and a bunch of like replicas of some of the Raza equipment there. But, and they had the, the vacuum stuff for making the ramps. So it looks like they were able to make things there, but just going by the fact that they've gone through all of this time and money and they were only able to produce us a semi-working one game. They are just burning money at this point. And you know, and I know that they really want to be done with Raza. And I'm thinking that they were really hoping to sell more than what they got pre-orders for. Because all their pre-orders, when it's all said and done, that doesn't even pay the salaries of the people if they are getting paid. It doesn't even pay the salaries for the people that have been there. It doesn't. So they're still going to be drastically in the hole. And I don't know about you, but that's not the way business works. And so then whenever they, we find, I find out when they list like, Oh, it's going to take a little bit longer because we still haven't got our, you know, certification for our power supply yet. I'm like, Oh my God, that is something that should have been done months ago. They, I mean, that takes time. If Stern made any kind of changes to anything in their game that required more consumption of power, then they had to get that certified. So whenever it comes to something like that, that's not, it's, it's puzzling of why this stuff wasn't done sooner. And the only thing I can think that it could be is that the, they just didn't know. It's, it's so questionable. I'm shocked that they brought six people in and had all these cameras here. And I mean, obviously you're hot shit and that's why they had cameras and studio equipment there, Carrie. <laughs> yeah. I'm shocked that they did all that, that work and the games didn't even like play a hundred percent. Trust me, I was, have you ever watched a movie or a sitcom and you feel embarrassed for the characters on there? You're like, Oh, I can't look. Yeah. It's just how it was. So when you got cameras and all this stuff rolling and this guy spent thousands of dollars to get these people to come in here and record our reactions to the main feature of his game and it doesn't work. I mean, I'm like, I feel sorry for him, but this is not, this should have been done already. I mean, the way things were working with the glass lifting up the way it was, it was very, very prototype esque phase. So that's why whenever he released the video uh, towards the end of last year, he was able to easily raise up the glass and then slam it down and everything just worked great. I was like, that is much more polished. I was actually impressed because what we saw was very rudimentary. So I was like, well, if he's came this far in that amount of time, maybe, maybe things have drastically improved or gotten better. But I'm seeing 
all these things, more and more delays, like, oh, because of this and the blame game. It's not us. It's because of this, not us. It's because of this. Now we're going to keep pushing it out, pushing it out and pushing it out. And I'm just seeing this trend. And I'm, I feel sorry for those of you that took the plunge and gave them money. I, I Without a doubt, I do not want them to fail. But I, at this point, I don't see how they're going to succeed. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, you know, the, the joke obviously is who's going to who's going to actually come up with a game first, uh, punny factory or deep root. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> like I, I had really wanted Raza to be a lot cooler than it ended up being. And I, I think for me, the biggest disheartening moment was I was actually like, when they had announced that they were bringing everybody in and stuff, I mean, I was actually following deep root and I was like, fuck yes. Like give me a reason to walk away from Stern as being my like main go-to pinball, uh, you know, company that I purchased from after they still have not replaced my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles play field um, due to the ink blotching issues that they had where it looks like the inkjet printer was running low. But um, I was super excited. And then, you know, you look back historically and Deep Root was like, yeah, you know, uh, our games, you know, Stern is way too fat asking over six grand for a game. You know, we're thinking we're going to be way under that. And so I was super pumped and you can ask Parnell. I was like very much eating up any content that was coming out in related to Raza. And then when it finally came out to them announcing the price, it was just like, fuck me. All right. Well, this is the same goddamn price as Stern. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you that, I mean, Robert's a salesman. He knows how to talk the talk to get people interested. And that's the thing is that I almost felt like while we were there in this seminar and he was talking about, what was going on there. It almost felt like it was a pitch meeting. Like he was pitching to us, like as if we were going to invest or something like that, the way it was going. So it wouldn't surprise me that, you know, he's done these types of conversations or pitches before to get investors and stuff like that. So it's like I state, I want them to succeed. I just don't know how they're going to do it. It's, it's questionable and I feel sorry for those that are working there and have been there this long and they can't get a single game out, mainly Bowden. I'm like one of the nicest guys ever. And he can go on and on talking about the code and what he's been doing. But if you attempt to ask him about anything else when it comes to deep root, other than what he is working on, like code story and strategy he will immediately go, nope, nope, not talking about it. He, he will not give you anything. He, he will only discuss. And it's it's basically the safest bet on his end, too. But he will only discuss what he's working on when it comes to Raza, at least. Yeah, I mean, that totally makes sense, right? Like, I, that seems to be a pretty default tactic in, in it when you're in a scenario like that, where it's like, yeah, yeah, no, no comment, you know, sorry, not going to talk about it, but I, I don't know about you, Carrie, but I, me and Parnell both are, you know, pretty disappointed by some of the quality control stuff that's been happening at Stern. And, uh, it seems to be, they're trying new and interesting ways, 
to do things, but then ended up messing them up in new and interesting ways. And yeah. right now with how far behind they are, uh, you can't get a lot of stuff. And Jersey Jack is, unfortunately, it seems like they might be going down that same hill. Not quite to the same extreme, but I mean, mm-hmm. we're seeing what Wizard of Oz owners that are like actively begging, uh, you know, Jersey Jack to come out with more light boards, uh, light board kits. And, you know, it just seems to be like falling on deaf ears. And I don't know what they're waiting on. And I don't know some of the other stuff that could be going on there. But uh, I know in my short time working with their parts department, it took me like five months to get a trap door. Uh, partially because the old lady that I say old lady, I don't know her age, but the woman that was working there, uh, never replied to my emails. And then after like two and a half months or close to three months in, I get a message from some manager, like some big wig. And he's like, Hey, you know, I see you've been emailing this person. They no longer work here. Uh, and we don't have anyone to fill that person's place. So, uh, you know, what are you looking for and what is it exactly? And, you know, I had to start the parole process over again and they did eventually get me the part. And, um, even though I was outside of the warranty, they didn't make me pay for it because I'd been waiting for four months to pay them, you know, at the, by the end of it. And they're like, yeah, you know, this is like a $40 part like here, just, you know, for your, for your trouble, you can take it. And that was nice. Uh, but you know, I know that whenever Stern gets around to sending me like my playfield, they aren't going to do anything nice for me. They're going to give me a unpopulated playfield and be like, all right, well, now you can quit bitching, buddy. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. But luckily, luckily I haven't had an issue with that yet. I mean, and I guess that's one gripe I have about my turtles is that even um, with the Titan pinballs, I still get my ball stuck in the ball lock area every once in a while. They're like magnetized up there. Do you really? That's crazy. Cause I've yeah. never had a ball get stuck back there. Yeah. They, it's one of those things where it's not every time it's, it's few and far between, but it's just enough to piss me off to where I'm like, cause it was going <laughs> great. And it was having no issues after I switched out, you know, Stern's freaking, you know, highly magnetizable balls with Titans and everything was going great for a while. And then I'm not sure maybe they just got scuffed up enough over time or what, but, and I'll be doing a really good game and all of a sudden, and just nothing's ejecting out of the damn ball lock. And I'm like, Oh my God. And even to the point to where the next day I'll turn the game on and they'll still be stuck up there. I had to like manually get my damn magnet stick out to get them out from behind there. That sucks. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it is what it is. Well, I uh, I don't think we should keep you any longer. We've kept you for the full two hours. I told you, I warned you that we'd probably have you on here for a while, but it's been a absolute blast talking with you and uh, having you on this show. Do you mind uh, giving us your bump as far as your social media and uh, YouTube shout outs, just so that way uh, any of our listeners can go check your, your stuff out? You can find me at uh, youtube.com slash Carrie Hardy. Um, uh, you just search for me on YouTube. You'll find me. I'm out there. Um, but that's primarily where I do my stuff. I have an Instagram and I post pictures every once in a while, but YouTube is my primary home. Well, perfect. Yeah. We definitely wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, any of our listeners, all five of them, which might, one of those five <laughs> might be Scott Denisi. Ooh. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they'd be able to find you. So that was important. 
yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, it was an absolute pleasure. And, um, you know, hope you have a great rest of your night. No problem, guys. I'm happy to come on. Uh, hopefully I gave some little information out there to people that were needing a little bit more insight on a number of things, but probably mainly, I guess, people have an interest for Deep Root for whatever reason. But I'm, I'm not holding my breath. It's one of those things I hope <laughs> things work out. But I I gave up on even following them on Penn side. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just show me a damn game. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh. Maybe someday we'll have a $4,500 pinball machine. Oh, my God. Just we do. People. It's the Star Wars home pin. <laughs> and that's actually fun. And it works. It does. The, the slings going off at the same time. Yeah. Trips me out numbers. every time. Yeah. <laughs> There's some stuff that I see going on with that. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like it's <laughs> yeah. distracting almost, but uh, it is mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. yeah it is like, fun. Part, part of me is wanting to know of like, what is there a switch problem? Is there a reason why they're all going up at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the fixer in me starts like, that's not supposed to be. Oh yeah, that's right. This is the home pin. It is. Uh, it is. That's right. That. <laughs> Thank God the flippers aren't hooked up in series too. You know, both <laughs> going off at the same time. <laughs> Just hitting one button to flip your flippers. Like, there we go. I'm going. Hell yeah, buddy. One handed play. play. Like a four year old. <laughs> oh my God. We have to edit that part out because we don't need Stern getting any ideas on how, how to cheapen their home <laughs> pin even more. Yeah. It's like your pinball for the kids. <laughs> Yeah, one button. It's the center action button because no, all of our games need to, to fucking have it. <laughs> yeah, ne- you never have to put your beer down. Now, for those of you out there that can't stop drinking, try our new one-headed flipper pinball machine. Oh god, oh man, it's coming. We should we've make given, it. We've given Gary the idea, I'm sure, and he's gonna charge extra for it too. Don't you yeah, worry. Yeah. That's gonna be like a three hundred dollar tip. To make all fucking solenoids <laughs> fire at the same time. This shit ain't cheap. <laughs> it's a lot of volts going through at once man yeah but they'll have some fancy wording too when they're they're describing it the unique um <laughs> they'll, they'll have the fancy words i remember i was reading through their fancy words for their star wars thing and that's what i was harping on i was like there was something about intuitive fucking tie fighter or whatever that's why i was like yes with the assistance of physics it moves when you hit it. I was like, what the fuck? Why are they adding all these fancy words to this shit? I mean, it's not what it says it is. It's a fucking toy on a spring, Gary. Yeah, it's like, we're trying to French it up, Joe Dirt. <laughs> but, uh, well, cool. There, well, go ahead. Carrie, what's the, what should I shoot for in Tales of Arabian Nights? <laughs> the ramp. Just but, the ramp. Uh, no, the ramp to genie. Like, like, like basically just follow the damn rules. Like, all right, this is what I got aim for now. The yellow lights. I'm like, all right, hit these targets now. Is there Start any secrets? Racking. Secrets? I mean, there's, I don't know about secrets so much, but uh, I just basically just follow the damn rules. How you're supposed to go mm. along, get the rubies. That way you can get two gems at one time to get there a little faster. I've got a secret for you, Parnell. You ready? This will, this will be our closing our closing uh, thing here. So on on uh, on Stargate, I have a secret for you. Are you ready? No, I don't. No, don't do it. You you need to shoot the pyramid. Yeah, shoot the pyramid. <laughs> God, 
<laughs> Even when I play that game on location, I'm like, I'm holding down both flipper buttons. That way I can make sure that I don't have to hear this damn thing as often <laughs> as it wants to. That's one reason why I got rid of the damn thing. I'm like, this game hates me. It's hard, which I kind of like it, but I'm just about tired of just shooting up the middle. Up the middle. Shoot the pyramid. I fucking know. <laughs> hey, did, uh, you know <laughs> hey here's a call out from the movie shoot the pyramid <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that's not in the fucking movie <laughs> the uh yeah, well they, right. there is a fan update though i don't know if yeah, you, there, you there's you a, know that, where they removed it yeah yeah so you it's gotta not get the, the water world and it is six whatever's a pure dirt then you're just Six gonna get it. Six kilos of pure dirt. That's, that's what it's kilos, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I kind of miss that game. Yeah, it's it's surprisingly fun. I mean, it's one of those things where I'm like, man, I'm gonna get all this dirt charged up so I can get the multi ball or whatever and stuff. But yeah. It's one of those so things. before I sold it, I was finger poking a little bit and I saw the mode where he's peeing into that filter machine mechanism. Oh, really? And that blew my mind. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen this before. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it, so that's why I'm like, really? Oh wow! Yeah, man, you should go finger poking, or just be good. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that well. definitely. I'm gonna have to do some finger poking then, because uh, being good is <laughs> he isn't gonna fucking tape. play it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, why are you playing with a glass off? Because it's the only way I know how to play this game. Does that do your games? Uh, do they get sick? Do the people there get sick of those same games or do you rotate out every so often? No, no one gets sick here because I just close the doors and no one else hears what's going on in here. Oh, I meant on your route. Sorry. Oh, route? Oh, sorry. Uh, not that I know of. I just go there and check on them and empty out the cash in them. So I don't think anybody's tired of them. If anything, I go there and I got to keep putting my score on the getaway. This fucker keeps beating my damn high score. I'm like, I think someone's fucking. That's when I, one time I was like, no, no, let me check the switches. I think there's something wrong here. There ain't no fucking way that he got that score. <laughs> Jeez. That's pretty awesome. Well, uh, all right. All right, listeners. Well, it's that time. Good night. Good day. Good evening. Good morning. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you, Carrie, for coming on. Yep, thank right. you. No problem, guys. Take it sleazy. <laughs> I don't know if... Does that prove that they... Oh, sorry, my sump pump's going off. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Parnell just shit, him, shit himself yeah. on screen, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that kind of we will transition into the two main topics of the evening. Uh, we're finally here. We're, we're done hammering you with uh, our, our normal questionnaire, Carrie. So you okay. can breathe a sigh of relief. Uh, you made it I'm through. Not, I'm not <laughs> having to worry about sign of relief, but I do have to go get me another beer, though. I'm dry here. All right. I am the Duke of Bourbon, and I will destroy you! Be right back. Yep.